0: I want to address, again, similar to what Charlie was doing, our corporate responsibility and community of believers. Um, In the book of Romans, there is a case made saying that we're all sinful. And Paul walks through that and gets to the place of saying, thanks be to Christ. He's the one that sets us free. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then he moves on and, and addresses some other issues. But in the 11th chapter, he talks about the Gentiles being grafted in. And he says, it's, it's as if this salvation came up through a different people group. You didn't even belong. But God chose to put you in anyway. You didn't have a place to grow. You weren't anchored to anything. But God brought you in and, and placed you here. And so, that's a, a powerful illustration, but when we move into chapter 12, our tendency, because we're so individualistic, is to isolate that as a, this declaration of, of, this is what we do personally then. And I want to suggest that there's more to it. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as li- a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. So he says, in all this buildup of the goodness of God to reach into our lives and to bring us salvation where we couldn't save ourselves, he says the appropriate response is that we yield our lives to Him and that we live as a sacrifice unto Him. I've begun praying a prayer each day and suggest to you as well that I get up, and somewhere in the morning, I'll be asking the Lord, guide my thought, guide my speech, guide my deeds today. I want to dedicate this day to you. And so it's just one of the practices I do, but it it draws my attention to this idea of a living sacrifice. Guide my thinking. Take it the direction that you want. Guide the speech that comes out of my mouth. Guide my activity and actions with others. That said... He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to suggest to you that this is a lifelong pursuit. That being conformed to the image of God is something that, you know, the good news is He's saved us. He's turned us around. But the journey, in a sense, is digging ourselves out of a hole and that there are things that are always coming to the forefront that said this is not the way God sees things. And so we we attempt to say okay, make my thinking like yours. Draw my attention to you. And so as we walk through this, it's it's similar to you know Adam and Eve in the garden had a perfect environment and yet they still chose evil and so sin entered their lives. And we see the destruction of that. Now the complication for us is we didn't even start with a perfect environment. There's depravity all around us. We were born into depravity, and we've participated as well. And so there's this morass of evil all around us, and we've we've polluted ourselves with it. Thankfully, God comes in and begins that purification process, so to speak. He washes away our sins, but he also then begins to build the mind of Christ in us. He begins to transform us so that we get to a place where we understand what his will is. We understand what his desires are. Regularly, I'm asking, what does God want in this situation? And I'm not sure. And part of that is because I haven't got there yet, so to speak not living fully with the mind of Christ, but that's the goal to set before ourselves. Say, I want his mind to be a part of my thinking. I want what he wants. I want to develop that within. And so there's this idea of being transformed by the renewing of our minds, allowing our lives to be taken over by what God sees and what he knows is best. There's a... um, This thing of, I'm imperfect, but I know that through him I can choose right and move into well-being and his health. So when I look at this passage, there's a tendency for me with this living sacrifice idea and being renewed to take it and say, okay, I want to make choices that are, are reasoned and appropriate in the Lord. I want to make choices regarding my body that are appropriate for health. I want to make choices emotionally that that fit with what God would have. But that's all individualistic, isn't it? So when Paul gets done making this statement, what does he do? He moves into corporate response and corporate identity and community activity. And what stirs my heart in this is that Maybe the mark of maturity isn't so much just how I live my individual life, but it's how I relate to others in community. And, and so that it's not just getting mind, body, and spirit in place, but it's also beginning to develop an awareness and a responsibility for others as well. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith that God has distributed to each of you. Just don't get proud and think that you got it all or don't assume that your place is better than anyone else's, but just use, develop within what God has given you and the faith that you have. But then he goes on. For each of us has one body with many members. These members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we through many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. So here he's stepping into this community idea. He's saying it's just like the body, arms and legs and all the rest. And, you know, in our mindset, it's like, well, if I'm an arm, I want to be a strong arm, you know. And, but we don't necessarily think, what does it matter if the rest of the body's trashed? You know, it, it, it doesn't do a person a whole lot of good, right? They have that strong arm if everything else is not functioning. So he's taking the approach that it all matters. It's interesting to watch kids as they start drawing the human body. You know, they get that egg-shaped body, they get a head, might get a couple of eyes, and a, you know, stick arms, stick legs. But, you know, their awareness of the rest of it develops over time, and they start filling in the eyes and nose and mouth, you know, But in this, there's got to be an awareness developing within us as well that everyone within a community has a place and a part and a responsibility. He says, you don't all have the same function. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Your gift is prophesying, Prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. It's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. Giving, give generously. Leading, do it diligently. Showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Well, see, he's not giving an absolute list of a, of a complete list of what's available, but he's drawing out different illustrations and saying, whatever your gift is, use that for the benefit of others. Whatever you, he's enabled you to do and whatever he's giving you faith to accomplish, Use that. It's not about wishing that you were another piece or part or that you had a different place, but it's saying, okay, what does he put in my hands, so to speak? What am I capable of? And investing that into the group as a whole. He goes on to say, love must be sincere. I I was thinking of... (laughs) Have you ever seen someone kind of try to overcompensate with relationship because they, they don't spend much time with you, but they get the, you know, okay, I'm giving you five minutes, and it's going to be wondrous. You know, and so, you know, aren't you excited that we can be together and share? and Okay, got to go now. And you're just kind of, whatever, you know. Thanks for breezing by and see you again. He says, I, I want you to be sincere about what you're doing. Not just, you know, the moment, but let's make this a long-term thing. Let's invest for a lifetime. Let's, let's truly involve ourselves and not just, you know, say, well, I gave them their five minutes. Why, why are they complaining? You know, it was an hour last week. But, you know, to truly say, let's, if we're going to be loving, let's, let's be sincere about this. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's a powerful statement. If you truly take on corporate responsibility, he says there's an honoring that goes beyond yourself. At times you back off so that others may flourish. You invest in others that they might excel. At a natural level, it doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, if, if it's about selfishness and me achieving all that I can by myself, it doesn't make sense to throw time and, and money at others. And yet, that's the call that's being put out to us. And Paul's, to me, linking this all together with this part of this living sacrifice and part of the non-conforming to the image of this world, but the renewing of a mind. that says, I have a need to invest. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep up your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. To me, that's the living sacrifice. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. He says, even for those that treat you badly, which happens to all of us, right? Even when you're treated poorly, he says, I'm wanting you to to come out with blessing. This is huge if you can capture it in marriage. Because regularly you feel like, I've been treated badly. No confessions today? (laughs) She's not here to hear it anyway. Oh, oops. (laughs) Like I said, no confessions today. It is true though, isn't it? And if you can get that with the closest relationship of life, then you can live it with others as well. There's an importance to to respond with blessing. You'll find your life a whole lot healthier if you do. You're not keeping a constant record of wrongs. You're not developing that root of bitterness. But rather you're dismissing and going on and say, in Christ not because of that person, but because of Christ, I'm making this commitment to bless. You know, if, if we just rely on others, then it's whether they're good or bad, right? But if, if we're committed to doing this in Christ, then it has a, a, a more important or a, a more consistent opportunity for application because we're, we're at a place of just saying, well, he died for me. He's continuing to invest in me. So I will do my best to honor him as a living sacrifice in this service to others. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In other words, he's saying, empathize with others. When when you're truly engaged in others' lives and you're investing in them, then you also, you're even doing this at a feeling level, so to speak. When they're celebrating, you celebrate with them. Thank you, Lord, good has happened. When they're sorrowing, you're saying, oh, man, that's a shame. feel heavy for you. It's it's not a, a pretend, but it's actual investing, right? And... I've mentioned my mother's passing, you know, and the depth of emotion that was new to me. And the truth is, I will never walk through that with others quite the same again. Uh, there will be an empathy that's more appropriate just because now I know. Didn't know it before. Didn't, didn't know those feelings before. But in Christ, if we'll allow Him to work in our hearts, then he will also help us understand when others just need somebody to stand beside them. Not giving platitudes or anything else, but just saying, I'm with you in this. Celebrating, I'm with you. Morning, I'm with you. It said, linking of lives together. Live in harmony with one another. Even that's a powerful word. It's like there's a common melody, but we're, we're, we're singing different notes so that it all works together. Isn't that the essence of harmony? You know, the melody line's going, and, and you're surrounding it with notes that, that mesh with it. <laughs> At least that's the goal, you know. And when it's working, that's what's happening, you're hearing this beautiful blend. And he's saying, that's, that's what your life is. You're not, you're not all singing the same note, but it's meshing together in such a way that it's beautiful. So he's saying, live in harmony with each other. Sing your different notes, but see how they interact. It's a powerful idea. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And again this is the killer of community effort right it's our own pride and our own conceit that wants us to flourish that selfishness and he's he's just nailing it saying that's not the mark of maturity you know being better than someone else the, the excellence in christ is not about rising above others Then he gets into something really powerful. Don't repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He doesn't say it's possible to always live at peace, but if it's up to you, that's the choice you make. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, "Mind avenge, I will repay If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he'll heap burning coals on his head. He does not want us to be experts at revenge. He does not want us to invest a lot of our energy into paybacks. you realize how counterproductive that is? Do you realize how damaging that is, even generationally. There are portions of the world where people have had angers toward each other or people groups that has gone on for over a thousand years. And we're kind of naive to think, well, I can march in there and fix it in an instant. The only real hope in that situation is going to be Christ. But He does not want us developing our own angers and separation so to speak we don't he doesn't want new traditions in that sense from us what he wants us investing in is the thing that pulls lives together and he says god is capable through the centuries of taking care of the issues The challenge of breaking the cycle of paybacks is something that each one of us faces. And again, it's that choice of saying, I'm not going to keep going down this road. I refuse to let my life be ruled by that kind of thing. That's part of that living sacrifice. I'm going to trust God to carry out His part. Jesus trusted the Father enough that he walked through death from evil people. Yet, when we say he rose victorious, that there was a a worthiness to that cause, even though it cost him his life. That's the example that we have. That was the living sacrifice. And so, when when we look at this whole thing, and we're going... Somebody's got to pay for this. And it needs to be, and we start pointing them out, that's not the approach that brings health to a life. That is not the approach that brings health in a community. And so he's essentially saying, I don't want you to be experts at this. I don't want this to be you know, how are we going to get that even here? It's quite a challenge. I've, uh, as you know, over the last few years, I've, I've wrestled through even issues of what the Christian violence. What is that role supposed to be? I do believe there's an appropriate time and place for it. We wouldn't have civil law if we didn't say, We need certain individuals to stand up and stop evil. We wouldn't have uh, freedom as a country unless others had fought for us. In family life, you have to stop evil. It's true. What he's saying, though, is, is that you do not let revenge be the driving force of your life. And you do not let it become your occupation, so to speak but rather you recognize that there is a good that God works even as you back off. How many times have you had experiences where you know that the challenge of your heart is to pull back when everything inside of you says swing? And yet you know that as you've done that, God has brought a victory. And often there's a reconciliation or a turn of heart or... Sometimes you see him exacting his penalty on it and you're going, oh, that's nuts. Wouldn't have chosen that. God has his own way of getting into the individual heart, particularly with those that are trying to serve him. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So going back, Renewal, that's a part of who we are and what we're participant in. The renewing of our minds is a lifelong activity, a beautiful activity. As we discover the mind of Christ and as we allow him to transform us, we can look back and say, "I'm not the same person I was a few years ago. I'm not the same person I was a month ago." If you can't point to things like that, you have a problem. Seriously. Because God wants to transform you, and he wants to be working in your life on a daily basis. And so there are always things that he brings up that you're capable of changing if you'll allow him. And then taking it the next step and saying, it's not just about me, but this community investment is what I'm called to as a believer. And so I need to begin to look at others and say, what can I do that would bless that life? And finally, invest in good rather than evil. Make that your passion. Don't let it consume you as the evil, but allow good to be the, 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 the challenge, so to speak. Father, we thank you for this passage. We pray that you will work in our lives mightily in such a way that we can recognize the renewal that's going on, transformation. And I pray that each one here would be able to look and say, my life's not the same as it was, and yet I have all these goals of things I'd like to accomplish in you yet. And then move us into that, we pray. Amen it's relatively easy to come up with application of this kind of thing isn't it I mean, all we've got to do is ask and say lord what would you have me do in regard to investing in others is there something specific that you want me to put my time and energy into or a financial investment even into some person and give me wisdom that way but also i, I let's get to another level and say have I been living in bitterness toward another and you want me to embrace good rather than evil? Or have I been looking toward revenge or payback? Lord, let me submit that to you and truly see a transformation of my heart on this issue because I know it's necessary. That's a little bit harder to do, but it's still available to us. The beauty is there'll come a time where you just say, it's gone? That anger, I, I can't tell you where and when, or actually even how, but it's gone. That's the beauty of a a life being transformed by the power of God. So I'd like to pray for that on you. What remains is open-ended worship. Uh, Stay and settle these things. Stay as long as you like, but feel free to leave if you need to. May your blessed rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy the fullness of community that you just designed them for and to discover how to function within community in a way that blesses many. Ask, Lord, that you will help us to be quick to forgive and release, that you'll help us to flee evil and cling to what is good. I ask that you would renew our minds and transform us as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices unto you. Now, Lord, as each one goes into the community, I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others, I pray that their deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. I ask that you enable them with the supernatural.